0: yo what's up guys new episode of badass asian dudes with an unbelievable life story of a guy who went from an accounting job to working with martial art legends jackie chan and jet lee this is an interview with my friend alfred alfred is currently an actor and stuntman in hollywood he's the first american to win a gold medal at the world wushu championships Wushu is a Chinese martial art that has thousands of years of history in Asia. After winning the gold medal, Alfred got a crazy job living, working, and traveling with Jet Li, where he got to be a part of Jet Li's daily life and meet celebrities and business leaders all over the world. Alfred actually lived in Jet Li's house. It doesn't stop there. After his time with Jet Li, Alfred made the hard decision to leave and join Jackie Chan's stunt team, where they worked on a movie together. But... Before all of that, Alfred was just a normal dude working at KPMG, one of the big four accounting firms, after graduating from UCLA. So how do you go from a normal accounting job to working with Jet Li and Jackie Chan? That's what we get into in the interview today, and it's a long, long journey that's really inspiring. In this episode, we go over a lot of things. His journey to becoming the first American to win the World Wushu Championships while working his accounting job, the struggles he faced when trying to decide if he should quit, how he got a job living, working, traveling all over the world with Jet Li and meeting people like Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, Jack Ma, and other Chinese celebrities, the lessons he learned from Jet Li why he ultimately decided to leave his job with Jet Li and join Jackie Chan's stunt team, what Jackie Chan is like in person, some great stories of his times with Jackie Chan and Jet Li, and then we end with some overall lessons and thoughts he's learned in his life for achieving unbelievable things in your life. This was an awesome episode, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. Also, before we start, just please make sure to subscribe and share the episode. If you really enjoy it, please write a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps other people find the podcast and helps me get other great guests on the show. Lastly, I have a Facebook group. Go on Facebook, search Badass Asian Dudes. If you want to network with other Asian dudes that are all networking and working towards their goals, becoming their best selves, whether that's health, wealth, entrepreneurship, anything. Check out the group and apply. We're almost at 1,000 people in the group, which is crazy. Thanks for listening, guys, and here's the show. So, Alfred, what's going yes. on? What are you up to these <laughs> days? <This> is- <laughs>
1: It's happening this 431. Well, this is happening. <laughs> oh wow, awesome, awesome. What yeah, are you man? working on? Uh, I haven't talked to you in a while, huh? Yes. And um, what am I working on? I'm working on a number of things. Mainly focused in the uh entertainment stunt uh stunt coordinating, action directing, a little bit of on and off camera work, but uh all surrounding the entertainment space. And I think it's a really exciting time for um, people in entertainment and also, of course, Asian and Asian-Americans as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so your story, your life story, I think it's very, very unique, you know, because I think I heard that you used to work in accounting, like right after you graduated from college, you used to work in accounting and then you won the wushu championship and then from there so like can you go into like the whole
1: story of how you got started sure sure yeah uh, i grew up in the bay area in california and then uh i went to i actually went to school uh, at ucla which is how i met glenn who was my roommate which is kind of how we all got connected i um, interviewed glenn last week oh awesome he was my roommate so um yeah for me like I uh, like the path was always, you know, kind of in the in a Asian-American, Asian culture, just to, to go to a good college, you know, get the job, which is what I did. So um, I kind of put it all out there. Like, I, I, I really wanted to make it into UCLA, which I did. I studied economics. And right at, straight out of college, I got a job working at KPMG. And I worked there for about two years. And uh, simultaneously, I was still training martial arts which was just a a passion of mine something that i just enjoyed doing that just something that resonated with me after kpmg i also worked at city national bank for like a year and a half or so so all all in i've been i was working for like three and a half years or so in the it audit space so yeah essentially you know accounting auditing consulting that was that fun that doesn't sound fun well you know okay like I hear that people do IT say auditing. audit. I don't know. I don't know about that. People do say like auditing is like, I don't know, either I've heard or I've seen some statistics that it's definitely like a, a more boring job. But to be honest, you know, at least it was fresh out of college. It was actually exciting in the sense, you know, you get to travel to different clients. You know, you're meeting with different people and you always have different teams because sometimes you're, yeah, you're a different client site. And so there's just different companies that you're getting to like learn about. So, you know, I'm not hating on it. I think in that sense, it was like, it was interesting, but it just like, it wasn't for me though, you know? What got I mean? it.
0: Okay. And KPMG, that's great company. So, and then also you got into a great school, UCLA, KPMG, you must've studied hard.
1: Exactly. I feel like the hardest I studied was probably in high school <laughs> to get into college. And uh, from there, yeah, Glenn can tell you some stories, but.
0: um okay, So at, during this time, are you. So, have you been doing wushu ever since you were a little kid, or like is that is that something that you started getting into later on in your life?
1: Okay, so I started to do wushu in high school. So, by some accounts, like compared to you know starting at like six or seven, that's a little bit late in the game. By but by other accounts, I mean starting in high school is still definitely early enough, you know, for me to develop a good foundation. Uh, I think what it was for me is like it just. For, for sports, you know, I casually, you know, I like basketball. I like, you know, just, just being athletic and, and being outdoors and stuff. But most sports, like I was kind of whack, I like a lot of sports, or like average, you know what I mean? But when I connected with Wushu or just martial arts in general, that was something that I excelled at, you know, at a I just, I understood it. I really enjoyed it. I also watched a lot of martial arts movies as a kid. So just all of that. It was like, it just suited my body type and my, you know, just it it, it was something that I really gravitated towards. So in a short amount of time, I was training, picking things up really quickly. And then, you know, kind of at my first competition in like the intermediate category or, or for my age range, you know, I got, I was winning gold medals and, you know, on local circuits and local tournaments. So I started to excel in that really quickly. And I think the fact that I was good at it also was like a stimulus for me to continue being better at it. And so, yeah, I'm, I moved up to like a high level relatively quickly uh, compared to like when I started.
0: How'd you even choose Wushu? I had never even heard of Wushu before I had met you.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Wushu was, was definitely a, a lesser known martial arts. You know, Taekwondo and uh, Karate were popular martial arts. And, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area. And there, there really wasn't that many wushu schools, so I had gone to a few um, karate and, and taekwondo classes just here and there. But for some reason, at at that time, I was like, it just it didn't really resonate with me. And it's because I watched too many uh, Jackie Chan and Jet Li movies, and uh, you know, Jet Li his main style is wushu. He was a China national champion, and I watched these movies like Tai Chi Master, Once Upon a Time in China. And, of course, like Jackie Chan, he had a lot of dope movies like Drunken Master 1 and 2. And, um, you know, a lot of the stunt people and a lot of the, the, the styles were heavily influenced by wushu. So I didn't even know what it was. But once I saw it, I knew that was something that I had to learn. And so in in high school, there was some kind of, like, international day where they had different booths of, like, Southeast Asian food Indian food, and all all these different things at my school and uh, included in that they had, I believe like, you know, taiko uh, drums, or they just had like different cultural dancing of of all different backgrounds. And, and one of the events that they had just as like an international showcase was martial arts. So people were performing like, you know, uh, breaking bricks and they were doing katas and forms and, and all this stuff. And one of, one of my classmates, she was in my French class. She was doing, she had done uh, karate and wushu, so she did this form, and suddenly she was doing this, like, flurry of movements, and when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, that's what I've seen in all these movies, that's what I think looks super cool. So after she performed, I asked her, like, hey, where where are you training, and she directed me to, like, this wushu school, which was, there was very few, you know, at the time when I started, it it was, like, you know, in the late, late 90s, I believe is when I started, and uh, there just wasn't that many places, so she finally directed me to this place, I went there, they gave me like a trial class and I was like, all right, sign me up. You know, it's just something that I knew I loved from the start.
0: Damn, that's awesome. I think that's cool that you found something that you're very passionate about at such an early age. I mean, high school is, I feel like that's still very, very early, you know, even though you said that. There's probably some other Wushu people that started way earlier than that, but I feel like high school, that's still quite early to find your passion. And then you also talked about Jet Li and Jackie Chan. Just reading from your bio, I read that you have worked with them, and so I'm very excited to talk to you about that. But before we go into that, so you start Wushu in high school, and in order to get to the championships of Wushu or get the gold medal of Wushu, you have to have quite a high mastery of that so as soon as you get into the wushu school do you start just practicing wushu every day all day
1: long um i mean i still had you know i was a student obviously so i still had all the just the basic requirements of you know work and you know sorry school homework you know extracurriculars i did like you know i was doing all this other stuff you know like cross-country speech and debate like pretty much i just like piled on like as much stuff as i as i could you know but yeah, Wushu was the one that I kind of enjoyed the most. So it was almost, it wasn't like I was working. It was just like I, it was like my outlet and something that I really enjoyed. So yeah, I put in a lot of hours and that's how I got to like a, I would say an above average or kind of like 70th percentile level in a relatively short amount of time, like after, after a couple of years, you know, but I think what made the difference. So let me see it. Let, let me, let me try to draw uh tell you the story so basically i went to college and during college you know there's a lot of distractions so i kind of uh parties yeah i went well went out and i i was I joined a business fraternity and, and all these okay. things but ak Psy? But, exactly exactly got it yeah but, okay, <laughs> but but anyways um so in 2003 um i had com- like my biggest goal at the time was to make the u.s wushu team like the national team it's, it's equivalent of like the Olympic team or like, you know, just making like the national team in that sport, you know, and that was like my biggest goal for, for the longest time. And, um, in 2003, you know, I was already like a top tier athlete. I wouldn't say I'm number one, but I was just uh, a high level athlete. And I put a lot of kind of hope and pressure into myself to make it on the U S team. And I felt, you know, you could say this and that, but there was there was some politics, there were some obstacles and there was just a lot of, you know, stuff and uh, I didn't make it. So I was kind of like let down by the system. And I was like, you know, eh, like there's just, I was just kind of disappointed and um, had almost given up on it. And then so combined with, that was kind of like right when I entered college uh, roughly. And so combined with just AK Psy and school, obviously social life, all these things, I had kind of, I had kind of I don't know. Just like <clears throat> I put it in the back burner and it was two years later, one of my UCLA Wushu. Um, so I helped start up the UCLA Wushu um, club at school. And there was uh, there was one of my teammates, Tiffany Reyes. She was a little bit older than me, but she had literally started Wushu in college. So when I got to college, she was older than me, but she was, you know, she, she I already was at a higher level. So I was showing her some things and 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 helping her out. Obviously, she was also a dedicated you know uh, competitor. But anyways, in the two years that I was kind of like not really focusing on wushu, she came to visit uh, because she had already graduated. She came to visit, and I was like just catching up with her, like how's it going? And then she was like, so um, when are you coming back to wushu? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I I've been doing wushu my whole life, and it's like something I do. And she's like, oh okay, because you haven't really like competed. And then I really. Took a moment and I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like like the, the 2005 US team trials, I didn't attend that. A lot of the bigger tournaments, which there's like a Berkeley <clears throat> Wushu tournament, I didn't attend it. And I kind of was like, oh, wow, I've really been off the map for like two years, you know? And and she actually made the US Wushu team in a shorter amount of time than like I had been training. And I was like, you know, I had a couple of years on her by the time she just started and she put in so much dedication and work and she made the team. So kind of like proving that it could be done, you know, despite like when you start and despite all these things, you know? So I kind of like was jolted awake and I was like that, that fire to like compete came back. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going like, I have, I, I gotta like, I gotta do this thing. And so fast forward to 2000, cause the team trials is every two years. So fast forward to 2000, 2007, uh, which was the next team trials. I was already working at KPMG and I actually made a really bold move because it was like my first year or maybe like moving on to year, you know, year two at KPMG and I requested a leave of absence or like a sabbatical or whatever, which is completely, um, it, you know, if you know, from just, I, I that know must, you have have that must have been a
0: hard decision. That must've been a very, yeah. very hard decision leaving your oh. stable job
1: and then yeah, to, so so oh, yeah, I didn't so, yeah. So I didn't quit my job, you know, but I, I I basically requested a leave of absence, which like I said was a was a bold move because in your first year, if you know, people with the corporate background know that like you don't request something like that. It makes you look not serious about your work, you know. And, and yeah, and also you're such a recent hire. Exactly, exactly. And it's kind of a bold thing, like, who are you to to kind of like ask this of us? So, yeah. so for me, I wasn't really necessarily asking for a leave of absence. Like I was going into it. Like I was really nervous, you know, kind of talking to my, my, my manager and stuff about this because essentially I was, you know, fearing that they're going to be like, okay, well, if you want to take a leave of absence, just leave permanently, you know? So I, I had gone in with, I kind of made the decision. It was a hard decision, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm just so competitive that I was like, I need to focus and, and get, you know, cause like there is a lifespan, there is a uh, kind of a, an age limit for Wushu, like not by the laws of it or, you know, not by the rules of it, but just your body, it's kind of like, there's an optimal age where you can compete at a high level, you know, just like gymnastics or, or any athletic endeavor. And so I, yeah, I made this tough decision and I said, I'd like to request a, a leave of absence.
0: How about your parents at this point? Did you ask them about, or did you talk to them about the sabbatical and what were their thoughts? Or did you just make it, make the decision on your own?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I had definitely been, you know, I definitely spoke to them on the phone, but uh, I guess I, <clears throat> I had always, I started off, uh, I started off like, ever since I started my job, I was kind of, my dad was at a certain age, right? And he was like, always mentioning, he, he's like, oh, he he's in, my dad was an electrical uh, and computer engineer and he, you know, he, he worked, he put in his, his time and he worked uh, really hard. But he would always be like, oh, you know, I'm, I am can't wait till I retire. I can't wait till I r- retire. So we'd kind of have this running joke where even though it was only my first year at work, I would be like, oh, I just put in 60, 65 hours of work. Like, I can't wait till I retire. I can't wait till I retire. You know, so like I was kind of like just joking about it. And I was like, and I would just uh, go extreme. But but like more of like sarcastically being like, yeah, you know, are uh, like, I'm going to do wushu like, or, or like, I, I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to, I can't keep doing this. Like it's, it's too, it's too rough. You know, me and you dad, we should both like retire. And like, and so I had kept that kind of as a running thing. And, um, so, but they knew that, you know, I was still interested in wushu and there was a passion, passion of mine. And then, yeah. Then, you know, as I, even amongst the joking, I was kind of saying like, like questioning if, if, it, if auditing was something that I wanted to do as a, as a lifelong pursuit. It was a great thing, you know, out of college, met some great people and learned a lot. But still, it was like something I was wondering if I, I would continue to do. So if you were wondering what you were going to do
0: for your lifetime and it wasn't going to be auditing, were you thinking that martial arts was going to be your lifetime pursuit? Or what did you, what were your other options that you were thinking about for your lifetime?
1: Well, okay, so here's the thing, and this might be helpful for other people, you know, um, I did not know necessarily what my lifetime pursuit was, but after a certain point, and I'm I mean I, I can't put a number on it, but you know, here's the thing if you if you try a lot of things, especially, you know, when you're younger, or just if you try a lot of things, you do know what you don't want to do. And so this this was like if you live on a day-to-day basis, it's really easy to just like keep doing what you're doing. And like and and for example, like like I said, out of college, you know, I I made a decent amount of money through uh with, with KPMG. Um, especially I was in the IT audit, which is even more of a niche kind of field. So, we, you know, anyways, we were we were getting paid all right, especially for right out of college. And to think about giving that up um, and that whole career path is a scary thing. But what was scarier was knowing that I did not necessarily want to do this. And I kind of multiplied out like, okay, I'm right out of college, but let's fast forward 10 years. Let's fast forward 20 years. Like, what is my future outcome? And the thing is, if I was going along the, the track that I was on, I could see the future outcome, which is basically I would make a higher salary. I would probably live in a slightly better uh, place, whether it's like a, a home or a condo or whatever. I'd probably have a slightly nicer car, but essentially, you know, I'd eat at slightly nicer places, but um you know, essentially, my lifestyle wouldn't change significantly, like I would be exactly who I was 20 years later, still auditing, or still doing, you know, that field of work, which was not still something that making I, the
0: jokes, still making the jokes with your dad, like, oh, right? oh yeah, yeah, to retire. yeah like doing that thing. Yeah, exactly. I would,
1: yeah, I would be living a more, I guess, yeah, I would, I would be living a linear standard path in my career. And that, again, in some ways, you know, people who are doing that, it's, if it's for them, like that's respectable and honorable. But then for me, especially if that's not something that I resonated with, I didn't want to live with regrets. And especially if you fast forward 20 years from now, and that's totally not what you want to be doing. And you're just incrementally living better. Because if you think about the payoff, it's like, you know, you, you can kind of calculate how much you would make as a, OK, as a senior associate, as a manager, as a, you know, like those incremental 5%, 10%, even 20% uh, pay increases are not really going to change my standard of living. You know, and, and I'm happy with as long as I have a vehicle to get around, as long as I have, you know, food on, I can, you can go to Costco and then make food. Like, I'm just saying, like, if you compare like the tradeoff uh, risk and reward, it was like I saw where I would be uh, 20 years, 30 years from now, and I was not in love with that. Now, the other hand, I had this like path where it was unknown. It could be worse or it could be better. But I was because I knew the, the outcome because one outcome was known and I did not want that outcome. The only practical choice or the only possible choice to not have that outcome was to jump into the abyss. You know, um, if you jump into the abyss, then the potential is like limitless. And yes, there is risk. It could be worse. You could be more broke. You could, you know, you know, have certain things, but even the the broke thing,
0: even the broke thing, I feel like it's not as bad as you think, because I feel like if this whole thing didn't work out, you could probably get your job back at KPMG or a different place.
1: Exactly. I could have, I, I, I very possibly could have, uh, went to another firm, maybe like yeah, just either a, a lower tier firm, or just even a, a slight change of like instead of IT audit, maybe just audit, or maybe just IT related. So, yeah, there were some other options, but uh, yeah, you know, at the time, it definitely feels like it's like a do or die kind of move. It's like I'm giving up this this yeah. Path, but
0: especially when you're so young, you know, like you feel like so everything is so dramatic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think that's what that's what's big though. I think if you when people are afraid of taking a leap, it's like, look where you're at now. And is that where you want to be? You know, because like kind of time is like one of the most precious things. So if you just wade in, in that, in that pool for like an extra two or three years, like time's going by, but what are you actually like gaining? You know, maybe, maybe some more income, but you're also spending money every year. So like, how much are you really like netting, you know? Yeah.
0: And then. I agree with what you said. Time is so precious. That's your most precious resource. Okay. So you asked for the sabbatical and then what is, okay, yeah. what happens next?
1: So I asked for the sabbatical, um, very blessed. They, they were, you know, they were for it, but they said, you know, yeah, this is like, your you know, we'll, we'll let you go, but obviously you got to focus on, on the, you know, do your thing, live ones kind of thing. But, you know, you come back, you got to really, zero in and focus on, on, um, your career, you know, with, if you, you know, if you want to stay with us and all that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I sabbatical, I didn't make any money while I was on the leave of absence. Like it was unpaid. It was the only thing was like, they would let me come back to work. That's all. But I wasn't going to get the standard pay increase. I was compared to my peers. I was definitely going to be, it's kind of like you stay back a grade kind of thing. But anyways, I went out to China, which is kind of the the origin uh and the roots of wushu so they have some of the best they have the best athletes and the best training facilities and i was you know going all in all on my own dime out there um training i trained super hard that's exciting dude
0: that's really exciting yeah that's like a movie you know like that's like the new chapter of your life you move to a new country and pursue your dreams like that's that's really exciting
1: Well, no, I mean, it definitely was, I was kind of like, and just, you know, being free from my work that I was, you know, I was already there for like over a year and I did this whole thing. I went to China, I trained, I prepared for the the team trials, which was in 2007. And there was so much pressure, like the night before I could barely eat, I could barely drink water. Like I was just kind of like, you know, psyching myself out or whatever. And I competed and in my first event, I totally like messed up. I totally screwed up and oh, yeah, shit. I was out. I was okay. out like, wow. like the sabbatical, the, the the money I spent out there in China, the training, like, you know, like some, some Rocky level shit where you're just like yeah. sweating this it out. This
0: is a movie. This is like yeah. a movie.
1: I, I crashed and burned. And after I, I, I knew I messed up and I, I had no chance, I didn't make the team. I didn't know what to do. I just felt so, so like, you know, I felt so frustrated. I just left the kind of tournament site and I just walked outside and I just literally kept walking i was I had i w- I used to listen to music before I would like compete to kind of psych me up so I had like a little mp3 player I was yep. walking 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 I just like chucked it on the street and then I, I kept walking I literally walked for like over a mile like just mine was like blank like oh shit like yeah. wow like I yeah. just did spent you know I put my career on the line I went you know I did all this stuff and and i I was kind of like the whole time I was like no, it's my destiny. Like, I'm going to make the team. It's my destiny. It's my, de- you know, like just psyching myself in that I was going to make this. And uh, I didn't make it. So I was kind of like, dude, this is not how the movie like is supposed to go. Like, I'm supposed to, you know, make it and have like this happy ending. So I was just like tripping out. And I just kept walking until I got really tired. And I was like, where am I? Then I turned around, walked back. I looked through these bushes. I found the MP3 player still there. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then I went, I went back, went back to my life. And I kind of had like a round two of like this important decision making. Um,
0: okay. So, when you say you went back to your life, what do you mean you went back to your life? You went back to KPMG?
1: Yeah. I went back to KPMG. And, oh, wow. Uh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, no, because I was leave of absence. They they said, yeah, you can come back. And I was like, yeah. They everyone was like, hey, man, you know, good try. Like you, you, How you know, you went out. How long was that there. period? Oh, the, the leave of absence? Um, yeah. I think I, you know, it's, it's been a while now. I think it was like. I want to say three to four months, like pretty much a summer, you know, cause I spent like two okay. months training in China and then I had to come back to the U S acclimate, then compete at the actual it. tournament itself. And uh, there was a little bit of before and after time. So it okay. was about three to four months. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you come, come back. back. Yeah. I come back. I'm, you know, I'm like behind my peers a little bit, but you know, I'm like this guy that they're like, Oh, he just like left right, right, right when he got hired and now he's back. Um, and you know, kind of thing. And again, the the my coworkers were really like my coworkers and managers. A lot of them were 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 great. Like I I really like the the community and the vibe. Yeah. You know, but I you know I went back uh back to the grind um, and then I don't know you know I I still I think I had still you know I, I was still mentally figuring out life and in you know all that stuff. But it, going back to what we said earlier, it's just like I was doing the math and like. I was so blessed that like I was still able to have a job to like come back to, but I was still like, is this for me? You know what I mean? Like just the whole like thinking 20 years out, like, do I want to be, you know, even in the finance or corporate field, you know? So fast forward, I was able to change similar line line of work, but I went to City National Bank, which is also a a really good company and and, um, great people there. But the reason I went there was because I was more on the internal team. So I had to, I didn't have to travel as much. It was very much like a a nine to five hours. And I did that because I was like, I didn't want to give up. So I was like, I I had kind of in that time period decided like, no, I I need to like, I need to go again. Like I've got like one last shot in me. Cause at that point I was like in my, you know, mid, mid early twenties, which doesn't sound that old, but just for Wushu peaking is like kind of you know, in the early twenties is, is like the, is peaking, you know, and plus like you got career, you got other things to, to focus on. So I was like, I can afford like one last shot at this and it's another two years dedication, 2007 to 2009, you know? Oh shit. So I was, okay. yeah, two years, you know, it's, 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 it's not short, it's not super long, but it's still like two whole years of your life, you know? Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this again. Like I just, I have them, like stubborn sometimes, you know? And I uh, just have like, sometimes I, I just hyper focus on something, and so yeah, it's almost in that, like yeah, it just my my hyper focus for like the, those ten eight or nine ten years whatever was making the team like that was it you know, so you know now even in my job interview for City National Bank I was like the reason I want to come here from KPMG is I want a little bit more of a set sedent- in like more of a like a, a routine schedule and what's important to me is not like career advancement but just getting my job done doing a good job but having the 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 schedule to train you know to, to train uh in my martial arts and i kind of told them my background you know i, I was a uh, you know hi, you know highly ranked u.s martial artist but i want to make the team and i want to compete at the world championships and all that and they respected that They're like, yeah i mean as long as you get your job done that's cool you know and so I would train in the mornings, not every morning, but especially as I, got, as I got closer to competition, I would train at like 6 a.m., then I'd go to work, and then after work, I would train again. So there's
0: a wushu gym or that you would go to, or you would train at home, or what would you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a, a, a bunch of places. Like in the mornings, it was more of just like a workout, or there was like a, kind of a parking lot or an empty space that I would just kind of you know train, uh, maintain yeah. my, my fitness, and then, yeah, at night or in the evenings, I was training at, uh, there was a few, you know, a few places, but sometimes, yeah, the gym, but also uh, a place in Orange County. Um, like, so I was, I was training down there. It was, yeah, Southern California Wushu Academy. And, uh, I, you know, I, I did, I was like a Wushu nomad. I did go from like various places. There was a, a coach I had, Li Jing. She has a, a school kind of well back then it was like near closer to chinatown but now she has a school in, near temple city but anyways yeah. you know i was okay. training yeah, at a lot This is like was, a movie this is yes yeah. this, this is, is like, like a movie like, yeah it's like i had my crash and burn and yes. um so i was so i was back at it i'll, I'll try to fast forward now to so basically like the, the u.s team trials is getting closer i'm still at city national bank and you know how every team trials is two years so i had been there for like over over a year now as well and I was getting better and better. And, uh, at this point, you know, the, the running joke of like, ah, I'm going to like retire and I, I want to do this and that with my parents was like still going, you know? And so this was a crazy thing. So I was once again, put at this like crossroads, you know, where, well, you know, kind of like, what, what do I do thing? And so I was but luckily, you know, th- this job, they were um, more, more. I wouldn't say flexible with me, just it was more routine. So I, I had a, a better schedule. And so I was training and, you know, my, my, parents were, my parents were supportive of it, but they were still in the mentality of like, okay, well, you know, he's got a stable job. Just like, they're kind of like, yeah, you're getting old. Why are you still doing this wushu thing? But whatever, like, you know, as long as you can pay your bills, like, that's fine. Yeah. So here's the, the crazy thing. You know, I was... Uh, training and training and um what happened let's see i i had um i booked my 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 mom started to like help me because okay i was also train i was also learning like tai chi which is like another event i was just like doing everything in wushu possible to like make the team and all this stuff i was just training all these different styles and just like really like elevating my training so sometimes i i would even fly up north to the bay area which is um you know, where my parents are, and there's schools out there, I would fly up north on the weekend to receive training from some like, you know, um, hot, like, former Chinese national champions. And I was just like doing all this stuff. And so basically, after all the work I put in, everything kind of lined up, I made the US Wushu team. So yes, yeah, so I, I competed at the team trials, which this year was held, actually in California. So I didn't even have normally like they, they hold it on the East Coast but this year it was held on the West coast. Like just all these things lined up and I won't go super into it, but even at the competition itself, like they like announced the scores or whatever. And like, I didn't make it, but then they, they like made a mistake. They announced the scores where I was like, and I was like, Oh shit. Again, I didn't make it. I was like internally crying and I walked outside. I did this little mini walk, not a mile walk, but I kind of like just walked around the block a little bit. When I got back in, there's all these people like whispering and like, chattering and stuff and I was like oh like because I missed stuff you know as I was gone for like 10 minutes I came back and they're like oh that previous score they announced was was off like they made a mistake in the tally or like the ballots or whatever it was uh, in the scoring and so I was still a number one contender so and then long story short at the very end I was like holding my breath to the end but they announced who made the team and I made the U.S. team. Wow wow
0: that must have been an amazing feeling.
1: That was definitely uh, yeah. It's like, it was cathartic for sure. I mean, I was like, it was almost like, even after it had happened, I just was like, I don't have this, I didn't have this excited. I was happy, but I didn't have necessarily like a super happy face. Cause I was just kind of like waiting for any moment where it was like, Oh, that's a mistake. Or like, I was just so nervous about it, you know? And, yeah. and pinching myself, like, is this real kind of thing, you know? But um, sure. so the, so the story kind of, well, yeah, it doesn't end there. Like, it kind of only gets crazier, really.
0: No, I, I, this is why I wanted you on the podcast, because I want to okay, hear okay. This, this story.
1: Okay, so now I made the U.S. team. It's kind of like, who like, that was, that's kind of, yes. that's, But you then know, now you guys need to get to work to win the championship. It, exactly. So the thing is, why do you want to make the team? Obviously, you make the team for, like, you know, the prestige of being on the, a, a U.S. team. But the real goal is as the U S team member, you get to represent the U S in competition at the world championships, which is also held every two years and the world championships. Like, so just to clarify, like what scale it is, obviously Wushu is not like a huge sport in, in the North America, but it is recognized by the IOC, which is the international Olympic committee, you know, over 88 signifying countries are a part of it. It's, you know, Wushu is part of like, the, the China games, like the Southeast Asian games, like, you know, uh, Pan American games, like it's, it's a um, regulated body. And it's not just like, like a lot of people will kind of throw out like, oh, I won the, the, the martial arts 2015 championships, world championships, just because they'll say world championships because like someone from Russia and someone from Canada competed. So it's a, it was a world championships. People kind of do throw around the titles uh loosely but this is kind of a on a olympic level scale that the international olympic committee recognizes and is the equivalent of the uh world championships for gymnastics the world championships for like skating or any sports that that set like the world records are set at the world championships for a lot of these uh sports so anyways like so uh i you know all my coworkers are uh super happy for me, you know, cause it's kind of like, they, they knew that this was like a big thing for me. And I was pretty mentally exhausted because it was just very strenuous to like prepare for the, the, uh, the U S trials. But now I had to prepare for world championships and I just I continued what I was doing. And as it got closer, you know, my coworkers were saying things like, Hey man, you gotta like go for the gold. You gotta, you know, like just kind of like, it's like a catch, you know, a phrase, like, go for the gold kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And no American, no American Wushu, uh, competitor had won a gold medal at the time because it's a heavily dominated by Asia sport. Uh, obviously I'm Asian American, but I'm, I'm born in America, you know, so like we, yeah. we represent the U S in competition. And so no North American or at least American competitor, probably North American, I think at the time had ever won, uh, gold medal in in what i was doing okay um so so it was so really though like it was more at the time it was more of an honor to attend it's kind of like oh Uh, i made it to the olympics you know like you don't really think like oh yeah i'm gonna it's kind of like oh i'm not gonna beat mike tyson or like jordan or whoever it's just like yeah cool i got to play with them like on the court once like that's pretty life you know life story right there you know yeah but when people who weren't in my sport, they were just like, yeah, you're going to win, right? Go for the gold. It just, for some reason, it kind of triggered me at one point when someone said it to me and I was like, oh, dang, like I was going to do my best, which, you know, that's that's one mentality. I was going to kind of like just let it be, um, yeah. which, which is a good mentality, you know? But I kind of zeroed in a little bit better when I went with specificity, like, okay, if I'm going to go and – it's, it was so hard to just to get there that I'm probably only going to go. And I was later in my years already in, as a wushu athlete that I'm going to go once. So I'm like, okay, I need to go with the intent to win and rather that, than just show up rather than just show up. I mean, still like do my best, you know, but it was a mentality thing, you know, like if you don't believe in yourself, genuinely, truly believe you're going to win, especially at a high level of competition, you're probably not going to, you know, if you're just like really talented and, among your local community and you're like, Oh, whatever. And you, you, mail it in and you win. Hey, good for you. You know, but when you're at like the world stage and you don't even expect yourself to win, like, I don't think that you're going to win. You know what I mean? Competitive for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yes, I went and, uh, I, I kind of took that. Okay. So then I, I changed my perspective, like, okay, I need to win. What do I have to do? What is like, you know, what are my strengths? Like, I I just kind of reevaluated, you know? And so at this point, I'll also fast forward again, and I made the decision. This is a once in a lifetime. It's like, it's literally nearly as significant as going to the Olympics. And if you had that opportunity, you would quit your job to try to win a gold medal at the Olympics, you know? So that this time it was like still tough, but it was, it was, it was the final nail in the coffin. It was like, I already made. The US team I'm going to like this world stage so I I kind of have to like make this decision and I I'll figure out my life like afterwards it was just like big enough of a thing you know and so yeah so I decided actually with the help of my um my mom (laughs) she saw a sale on Southwest for like flights from from LA back to like SF for like (laughs) $39.99 so she was like Hey, I booked through these flights for you because she knew I was coming back the train. Yeah, I was like, you can't book these flights. Like, I have work. Like, I have a limited amount of vacation days. Like, I can't just be flying back, you know? She had booked one too many discount flights for me. Yeah, that I was basically like, okay, I'm either gonna have to like request vacation days that I don't have, or pretty much quit my job in order to to make those flights. And so, yeah, I just uh, like. I, 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 I just, my last day of work was the first day of the first Southwest flight back up north. <laughs> so yeah. So I, uh, ended up just focusing everything, putting it all, uh, focusing on, 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 uh, competition really, like I said, going for the gold literally and, um, uh, believing that I love like, that mentality. Yeah. I love that yeah. mentality.
0: Not yeah. just showing up, but going for the gold.
1: <laughs> seriously yeah. and so when i got to uh the competition uh here, here's one more thing it's kind of like if you say you genuinely believe in yourself and that you're going to go for the gold your actions need to reflect that so again prior to the competition prior to worlds my parents asked me like oh do you want us to attend because they had attended a lot of my tournaments when i was a kid but you know later in life they're like dude, you should, what are you doing still doing wushu? You know, you got to, like, focus on your career and all this stuff. But they knew the World Championships was obviously, like, the biggest tournament of my life. So they they kind of offhandedly, they just kind of like, oh, do you uh, do you want us to, to go, you know, watch you compete or not? And at first I was like, no, like, don't worry about it. I don't want you guys to have to take vacation from your work. I don't want you guys to have to, like, book a flight. to It was in Canada. I don't want you to have to book a flight to Canada. Like you know it's a hassle to travel to get you know especially th- they have jobs as well and and um you know it's not easy just to get get out of the house and, and and all that so i was like you guys have seen me compete you know like since i was a kid so i don't want to trouble you but once i went once i changed mentality of like go for the gold i thought to myself okay if i'm going to win a gold medal the biggest one of the biggest or at the time the biggest achievement of my life like who would you want to be there of course you'd want your parents to witness that it's like you want your parents to attend your graduation there's certain you know that you're you're if you get married certain like you know momentous occasions you want them to be there so if i said don't come that's kind of going with the mentality of failure hey guys forget it i don't want you to see me just flop around and like do whatever but if you look at it of like i'm gonna win the biggest event of my life should your parents come yes or no like it's a pretty simple answer so pretty last minute, I was like, yes, yes, like, please, you know, I'd love it if you guys could come. Um, luckily, they were able to get time off. They're supportive. They came. And I'll tell you this, every single little bit of help helped me win that gold medal because what happened was it came down to a tiebreaker. I was competing. So, you know, there's different events that we compete in just like in Olympic stuff, but my category was uh, in sword stuff, like straight sword. And when I competed, we, we have scoring and certain things. And my score, I had a tiebreaker between me and Japan. So it was literally, a, we were tied for first place. And it came, that's how close it came down to. Like we had the exact same score, the exact same everything. And it came down to a tiebreaker. Like the amount that my life has changed by being a world champion as opposed to being second place is definitely like, I I can't, I don't know the exact extent, but I do know that when you are able to, especially now that I'm in entertainment, be a world champion and someone that's, that's done something that America has never done versus being second place. I know that that's like a big difference and it was made by tiebreaker. So the fact that my parents were there, they were able to kind of, you know, just the comfort of them being there, they helped me, you know, kind of look over myself. I think my mom, like, helped me, like, get lunch or buy food, you know, like, motherly things. All of my friends, even, you know, in L.A., the ones that have just even helped me, like, if I crashed at their place or if I was training and, yeah, I would train with them and then we would just, like, grab a bite and crash. Like, anyone that helped me, like, literally 1% of help that I, or one percent of help that I got from anyone made that difference because any little mistake or one less, you know, being slightly more tired or whatever in that competition would have put me in second place. Like it couldn't be more dramatic than like, it couldn't be more, you know, written like a movie than what really happened in real life. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. a, A freaking tiebreaker of me changing Wushu history as the first American male to win a gold medal at the World Wushu Championships, which had never been done and has, I believe, uh, to this day, not been done in over like 30 something years. So like it and and same thing. That's why the mindset was important. If I was like, okay, I'll just do my best. I'll, I'll compete and just show up versus versus win. It was by tiebreaker, man. If I was just like, yeah, you know, Japan is really good. Hong Kong is really good. Vietnam, you know, all these Asian countries are really good. Like, how can I beat them? Even just like that expression in my eyes, in my face, like just any 1% would have put me second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, whatever. So that's how incredible that was really to me.
0: I love that you talk about mindset so much. I feel like that's so important. That's so incredibly important.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's how we, it's, you know, I believe in the law of attraction. You have to define what you want. You have to have gratitude for what you have. And then you need to believe in yourself and in achieving what you have defined and both through your actions uh, and through your words. I love it. I love it. (laughs) No,
0: seriously. I, I love that kind of shit. I'm serious. I'm super into mindset. I'm really, really into mindset. I'm really into what we were talking about before. You were talking about not living day to day. I'm super into thinking long term, 10, 20, 30 years down the line. I Mm -hmm. think we've never talked this deeply about this kind of thing, but I'm super into that kind of stuff.
1: And I know I vibed it and I sensed it like just in your posts and in the things that you've been putting out there. And I was like, I really like what you're doing with, with, well, with the podcast, with gathering people in the community and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's the law of attraction. Um, I don't want to get all too, you know, into that side of things necessarily, but you could feel it when someone thinks that way, they think bigger picture, they think long-term I'm super into that stuff as well. And it's obviously yeah, kind of yeah. gotten us to where we are today.
0: For sure. For sure. Okay. So you win the championship and then this starts opening up tons of doors for you. So where do you go next after that?
1: Yeah. So, I go back to the U.S. I'm freaking unstoppable, like you know, just like yeah. I just. You won the gold medal. You won, won the gold world. medal. Yeah.
0: You must feel yeah. so
1: good. Yeah, it's like I, it's like, exactly like it's like I won, I won a, a world championship, you know, and so I was definitely just feeling high on life and um, was getting a few, you know, interviews and and um, I was on a couple of magazines for you know more for in the, in the martial arts community and just like. At this point, I also didn't have a job, like a full-time job anymore, because I had quit to, to compete, and um, was just like, yeah, I was on cloud nine, and um, I guess the momentum kind of just continued, and um, I wanted to, there's a part of me which I'm, I'm a little bit jumping ahead, but it's like, I wanted to live my life in a way where I could be talking with someone like you, or be telling, be sharing with someone that like, I wanted to like stamp in that and be an example of that if you uh, you know if you believe in something and that you that you really do this like law of attraction thing with with your mindset and all that that like the craziest craziest things are possible you know and so i won the world championships but in wushu no no butts but you know in wushu however i felt like that wasn't enough to like make the the biography on alfred singh you know what i mean so yes, to, to stamp in people be like, Oh, well, yeah, you, you trained you're an athlete, you trained hard. So like, you got there, you know, like doesn't mean anyone can do it, you know. And like, so I wanted to live by example. And the next steps of my life, I had set these new goals, which were even crazier and more like ridiculous. And those goals were working with my two biggest idols, which was Jackie Chan and Jet Li, and then appearing in And uh, appearing in a Hollywood blockbuster film. Those were like my new world world championship goals.
0: And how do you come up with those goals? Like, do you like sit down and like journal about them? Or did they just kind of like pop up in your head and you just think this is like what I want to do.
1: I just go off of, well, this this might, I'm roughly saying this, but yeah, I, I go off of my gut. You know, some people, they don't have a, maybe a strong call, but if you, explore enough uh do enough things and kind of find yourself you'll be able to see what things you are attracted to and and you know i'm maybe i'm more fortunate in that like i just knew like i didn't strategically plan out like oh how am i gonna make a living or how am i gonna do these things it was like one milestone after another which was the the world championships thing was like a no-brainer like i don't know i just always wanted to do that i've been doing martial arts for a long time and all everything was building up towards that after that it was kind of like well what else do i really just want to do and the people that got me into martial arts even though they didn't know me but i knew them was you know watching all these martial arts movies and the two biggest influences were Jackie Chan and Jet Li so i'm like well can i get close to these guys and and work with yeah. them and somehow maybe contribute back to them i don't know like that's just what i would want to do like i don't i don't i didn't really think about the money play or like because really like, what do we really need money for? It's just to, it's a means to, to an end. It's a means to do what we want. So what if I just do what I want without thinking about the money? If I, if my goal is like, Oh, I want to drive a Ferrari. I should think about how I can drive a Ferrari, not how I can make a million dollars and then buy one and then do this. It's like, what do I just, what do I want to do?
0: I love it. Okay. So those are your goals. So what's the next step?
1: So, yeah, so those became my goals and, um, Shortly after, you know, because it's kind of like you—you you need to put yourself in a position to receive these. You need to put yourself in a position to receive the things that you want to attract. And so, because I didn't have a job anymore, one of my friends who was—he did wushu, and he was also a um, web designer for Jet Li's website. And uh, so he was—he was in touch with Jet Li and. He knew I was uh, jobless, and he said, "Hey, um, I I overheard that Jet is looking for someone to to help him out because his current team, you know, uh, assistant or whatnot, is going to um, get an MBA. So he's looking for someone international with with experience in martial arts, uh, a little bit of interest in the entertainment space, bilingual, and has like a business background because." because Jet Li had transcended being just an actor. He had a philanthropy. He has his own businesses. Real estate is, you know, like he's, he's just, he's more than just a, an actor, you know, and a global ambassador for many brands and many, um, organizations. So he wanted someone a little bit with just a crazy random background. And I happened to like fit that, you know? Wow. That is crazy. That yeah, is, and that's so awesome. Okay. That wouldn't have happened. This opportunity would not have come up if I hadn't, quit my job and open myself up for that opportunity, you know? Yeah. So I basically, I basically send in my stuff, just like a, a little cover letter and a resume and, you know, a, a little uh, self-introduction kind of thing. And I go, I don't hear anything back. I go on my my merry way. I'm like, I'm going to be real. I'm still like partying with my friends. I'm still like getting invited, you know, just like I'm living the high life. You know, I just like, everyone was like very, congratulatory and like you know great job on like you know you you like conquered the impossible you know especially in my in my communities and people were just like so proud and 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 I was like I was just living it up because it's like this is something I had trained for for the past 10 years and given myself so much pressure and so I wake up one day to a phone call and it's like plus six seven one, two X nine, you know, whatever it's just like some weird number. And I'm about to like hit like end, you know, cause, and yeah. I'm waking up at like 8am <laughs> I'm about to like hit end on this number. Yeah. And, uh, you know, something in me is like, well, whatever, like I'll just pick it up. If it's spam, then I'll just like tell them to like get out of here or whatever, you know? So, so I pick it up and it's like, hi, I'm calling from the office of Jet Lee. Um, I received your, your information, uh, and your, as a referral, Are you, you know, as a candidate for this position, I'm literally like, I've got like eye boogers, like I'm in my, like (laughs) yeah, so anyways, uh, so yeah, I take, I take the call and he's like, okay, um, yeah, so could we schedule a time to Skype because, you know, there, yeah, so the reason the number obviously was all, while funky was he was calling internationally. He was like Singapore or Hong Kong, you know, and different time zones, so um I know we're we're Skyping right now, but uh, I had hair at the time. So I had this crazy like bed head and like bed hair and just like looking like a mess. So he asks me, like, do I have time for, uh, you know, an interview? And I was, you know, I was like, I was going to say, yeah, you know, let's let's try to do later today or, you know, reschedule to not reschedule, but just because he called me out of the blue. So I was like, okay yeah, yeah, we can schedule a time, you know, but something in me was like this is, again, just like the type of person that I am. It's like this whole time is valuable. You got to seize opportunities kind of thing. I was like, and also, I thought in my, I did the quick calculation that like, he's on a different time zone. Like, it's going to be hard to like connect again. He's got to like find me, you know, I was like, here's my Skype. Like, if you have time, like, why don't we just do it now? I, I think he might've even asked me if I was free now. And I was like, I was going to say no because I looked like crap. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Like, wow. let's do this. Okay. So yeah. I gave him, I gave him my Skype. He's like, I'll call you right now. I was like, okay. So in the time I hung up the phone, to pick up the Skype, like I ran and like put on some clothes. I kind of like mashed down my hair a little bit. Uh, and he, he calls me, I press accept like the camera turns on. He like looks (laughs) at me for a second. He's kind of (laughs) like, he does a little like, (laughs) and he's like, anyways, so he kind of like gets serious, you know? And yeah, we do the interview there, you know, it's just, just standard kind of interview questions and, uh, and all that. And once again, uh, you know, I finished the interview, um, and I don't hear back for like maybe like two or three weeks. How'd you feel Um, about the interview? It was all very surreal. You know, it's just like, there's a guy that's, you know, that's the gatekeeper of Jet Li. Um, He's in like Asia Skyping me. I never met him at the time. I was just like, I still was like, is this even real? Like, and and even if it is, I was like, what are the odds? Like, it is very like one in a million that like, oh yeah, sure. I'm going to fly out and be like Jet Li's main guy for the next couple of years. For sure. Learn from him and do all these things. Like, come on, you know. Like, I I saw this guy in a movie. I'm like, mil- not millions, but I'm like thousands of miles away. Yeah, it's not really something that I thought was like a real thing. I I went through it. You know, I still did it, and obviously, again, believe yeah. in myself in it. But it was just like, okay, I'm gonna just go through the motions. But um but then seem- after the interview, like, did you
0: feel like it was like a really good interview? Like, do you feel like you crushed it, or did you feel like eh, it was just okay?
1: No, I felt I feel pretty good. I think uh I, I was always a guy that did pretty decent in interviews. And also like, you know, I think the the interviewing experience of at KPMG and like all that stuff, it still helped, okay. even though they're, they're yeah, complete for sure. jobs, but like there is a skill to interviewing, you know, how to present yeah. yourself and all that. That's a good point. So I think I think, you know, I think in some ways I wouldn't say like I think my confidence in even having just like this crazy bed hair and just like waking up I mean, he understood that like it was a different time zone, like out yeah. here and stuff like that. I think that probably worked in my favor of just like, okay, this guy's on the ball. He's ready. To, he's ready to go. It's okay. not like I okay, it. I gotta. I love it. Take yeah. like another like you know two days to get back to you, kind of thing. Okay. So I love so that. I'm, okay. So I'm out in Hollywood with with uh, my friend uh, Way, and we're, he's. I think he's driving, and we <laughs> we had a drink or two. We're about to go to uh, you know an event, and I check my phone. I check the mail. I reload it, and then it says like offer letter from the office of Jet Lee, and I'm like, wait. I think I Whoa. I just got offer to work for Jet Lee. I looked at it. It's a real thing, you know. And uh, I kind of just go went numb a little bit there, and I was like, again, one of those things. Like, is this real? And it wow. was. Wow. Yeah, and it it was, and I had two weeks to pack up everything and move to china like it wasn't like i was just gonna work you know a couple days i literally had to prepare to pack up my life in america cancel all my you know gym membership all my subscriptions all my bills all whatever pack yeah. everything up and relocate my life to china basically in two weeks that's crazy dude okay yeah so you know obviously i'd also tell my parents my parents who were once Very traditional Chinese parents, which they were like, you know, you got it, you got the finance job, you got to, you know, do either business or law, you know, like these kind of things you got to stick with, with what's tried and true to all of a sudden being mind blasted. Like, okay, my son just won the world championships. (laughs) I've seen him appear on a few, you know, random stunt or random gigs on television. Now he got a job offer from Jet Li, who they had seen in theaters in Asia and on TV and they're just kind of like, "All right, we're not gonna like exactly tell you what to do anymore at this point." Yeah, just like this is like some freak of nature like stuff happening. <laughs> wow, that's
0: that's crazy, man. Okay, so two weeks
1: you have two weeks, and then you move over to China. I what is that like? What is yeah, that I'm, like? I'm obviously like just luckily I'm a I'm a um, a, a spontaneous type so i was able to you know go with the flow and yeah i just like i said i i totally just scrambled and and made it happen so i move out to china when i first get out there basically like i still hadn't i I may have met jet like once like long ago but essentially for for this you know because it was a over the the it was over skype type interview with with his assistant and not himself so um i was kind of still like what is happening like i was just I still didn't believe it. You know, there was a a sketch part of me that was like, even though it was like through my friend who worked for him. So obviously I believed it all, but just part of me because it was so surreal. I was like, am I flying to China and then I'm going to get my organs harvested? Like I was just like, you know, like, because when I landed, just someone had a sign and they picked me up. I didn't know anything like, you know, as as in like, I didn't recognize them. I didn't know them personally. And I hadn't seen Jet Li appear yet because he was actually not even in I flew to Beijing, but he wasn't even in Beijing yet. Cause he was still on some other tour, you know, crazy life. And so I'm just kind of waiting in like this hotel for actually for like a week before he gets there. Hmm. So this whole time I'm like, are, are they going to foot me with this like crazy hotel bill? And just like, tell me like, get back to LA or like, they're going to be like, this is a mistake. or are like, I don't know. You know, just like, it's the same thing. I was just like, when I, when you put a lot of importance on something, you just, your mind starts running and thinking of like all the alternate possibilities, you know? So anyways, he actually comes and uh, it is it is real. And I end up working for him for, you know, like a year and a half or, or I mean, it, it's the job kind of like, I, I was still helping him out, like even even later on, but for definitely yeah, over a year, I was working with him. Crazy, crazy lifestyle. I mean, this, I could hold, do a whole story on this alone, you know, but I'll, I'll just kind of give you just some highlights. But like the first week of working with him, I think I had flown to six different, you know, countries or provinces or whatever in five days uh we were on like tours and i woke up in a hotel one day and i, I didn't know where i was i thought i was still in america for some reason because just because it was a whirlwind of a like of a trip and then i realized like oh wait i'm in shanghai you know it's just like it was like super crazy like yeah there's there's so many other stories um that i i kind of don't want to like just spend all the time on that but essentially like it was really crazy and it was a blessing. And I mean, I don't want to say it was, it was definitely not all just like rainbows and, and candy canes, you know, like kind sure, of fun it's a job, just, like
0: you know? Yeah. Super, it's a job. So there's a lot of work,
1: super, super hardcore, like hours. My life was like the devil wears Prada in terms of like intensity, okay. like going here, here, he's like the elite of as a superstar, but also as a martial artist and also as a, like a representative kind of, of, of China. So like, it's just like a lot of the. I interacted with Bill Gates, Bill Clinton. Like I, I interacted with uh, Jack Ma of Alibaba, with the CEOs of all the major studios, all the film studios in China. I had you know lunches and and stuff with like Rob Cohen, who who did like The Mummy and like the the Bruce Lee Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and like his Jet Lee's agents and managers in the U.S. are like communicating with me. And they're also Jason Statham's manager. I mean, it's like big people and, uh, and, and just big things happening left and right. You know, like, yeah, one day I wake up to an email from like Bill Gates foundation, you know, the, the, the next day I'm like on set, like kind of doing like martial arts moves with Jet Li or whatever, you know? And, um, I do see why he, like I said, he wanted someone with like kind of like a Jack of all trades in in some ways or at least in, in certain fields, let's say, he tested me as well and he kind of like worked me up to things. But in the end, I was okay, like I'll I'll be honest, I was like making coffee and tea for him, ordering food for him, booking flights for him, but also negotiating multi-million dollar commercial contracts for him. I was also uh I stunt doubled him on a commercial and I also oversaw some of the action stuff that he did on like thirty plus million dollar feature films that were like hits. In China and I was I was interacting with all the other A-list stars in China like it was definitely like a crazy like a crazy crazy ride that like because my things have been moving so fast ever since I kind of moved on from that because maybe well if we have time we'll get to it but I started to do like stunts and other and action uh, coordinating on my own that things have just kept on moving fast but like it is nice because not I haven't had a time to really like tell all of these stories in their entirety and it was almost like when I came back to the U S it was almost like a new chapter. So like, definitely people knew I worked for him, but like few people have heard and gone in depth on like all of the stories. And like, like if I could uh, do one of these like telepathic things and like touch yeah. your brain, and just like flood you with all of my knowledge, like you would be like blacked out for like, uh, you know, 48 hours. <laughs> no, that
0: sounds amazing. That sounds like yeah. such a crazy opportunity. And it sounds like Absolutely. you met so many great people did a lot of cool things. So, did you have a lot of interaction with Jet Lee? Li? Like, were there any big lessons that you learned from him, or anything that you took away from him?
1: Oh no, I I lived with the guy. Like, I lived in his house. Yeah. Like, oh, so I lived with him. And I saw him like, you know, I saw him more than like someone I'm in a relationship with or something like yeah. that. Like, it's like, I literally saw him every waking hour, except for maybe like maybe like if I took a holiday to see my parents like once every year. You know? Okay. I spent like Christmas and like, you know, birthdays and stuff with him just because like the job was so demanding, you know? Yeah.
0: So what are some I mean, lessons that you learned from Jet Lee?
1: I would say like, I mean, some of the greatest lessons is just, you know, yeah, he, he is, it doesn't matter where you are in life and what level of success. Like if you just, he is always on it. Like he's, he's punctual, he's sharp. He doesn't take anything lightly even despite like where he is and i would also say that through my interactions with um with jack ma jet lee and all these people that man people think that if they have a billion dollars or a shit ton of money that like it's going to change their lives i could tell you like i was with the wealthiest people in china which which i mean you could i don't know where jack ma ranks or whatever but they are just living the lives everyone has yeah, obviously they have more you know material things and some things yes are are easier but they have the same issues you know like family things or just like you know running to the uh, juggling like different life choices or or kind of like competing with their friends like you know not in a, necessarily in a bad way but like oh damn I, I see that so-and-so is doing well like where am i like kind of the same insecurities and stuff and like it's just on a different scale you know it's like you're completely, you know, I'm not saying you personally, but you're seeing this, this other entrepreneurs, like his product is like better than yours. And like, you want to match it. Well, Hey, these guys are doing like $50 million movies, but like, Oh shoot, Jackie Chan just came out with a $60 million movie. You know, it's like, Hmm. it's the same thing. You think that like, Oh, if well, not you, but many people think like, if I get to, if I just get to this certain place, like I want to be coasting, you know? And for sure, it's not the case. You're still going to have to deal with like plumbers to come to your house even if it's a mansion you still have to deal with like or you're gonna still have to deal with hiring a guy to hire a guy you know like there is just still like these issues and yeah if you if you organized and do certain things no doubt you can obviously uh make things like easier on on yourself and optimize but like we all still age we still all go to the doctor we still like there's just they're so similar like for me I didn't I wasn't like putting these guys on a pedestal obviously because I was living with them working with them day to day but like like they're just like you, man. If I mean, if anything, you have more knowledge than they do in certain in certain things. You know, in certain things where 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 you've educated yourself. And so, like, they're all just people. They all have things that they're like excited about too. Like, even though they're like at the top of the food chain in some capacities, they're like, oh, whoa, that was cool. I want to like go watch this event or like, you know, they 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 see things online too on YouTube. They're like, oh, that's dope or like Yoku in China, or whatever. But yeah, anyway, so it's kind of like that. That's something that I that I also learned that it's like. It's, it's pretty important, actually, to, like, find some kind of spiritual path. It doesn't have to be necessarily religious or whatever, but just, like, grounding yourself, looking at the bigger picture. I think those things put things in perspective a lot better and are a lot more useful than, like, again, the day-to-day stuff and, like, just living in the – as, like, a, a, an instinctual creature,
0: I think that's a really important lesson yeah that's so true and I feel like that's very similar to thinking like I'll be happy when you know like people like have this goal like oh they want to make like ten million dollars twenty million dollars and they think that exactly what you said they get to that goal and then they'll be coasting but then exactly what you said when you get there you look at your peers and they have more money and then you want more and more Yep. so I feel I feel that's like such an important lesson How about from Jackie Chan? Is that, is that also kind of a similar lesson you learned from Jackie Chan or or were there some other things you learned from Jackie?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, speaking of Jackie, he was basically kind of like phase two of my, of my like goals and stuff like that. Um, I'd worked for Jet. I'd met Jackie a couple times, but eventually I, uh, I decided to go on my own path because, you know, I always wanted to continue working in, in films. And at that time, Jet was a little bit more focused on philanthropy and, uh, kind of like just doing, you know, nonprofits and, and, and certain business endeavors. He was focusing more on business and he wanted me to kind of, uh, join his company, Tai Chi Zen, which is what it was called. Um, I had a hand in some early, early stage, uh, stuff with, with just kind of outlining and setting up the, the company very, very early stage. And, um, yeah, I, I you know, I didn't want to go, even though I was working for Jet Lee. But I didn't want to go back to the corporate structure, which was like what was going to be required, and and we had at least like a new office and all these things. I just would have been working uh, corporate life in China, you know. It's a startup corporate life, you know. But for me, it was entertainment it was kind of where I wanted to go next. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my final stage, but it's where I wanted to go next. So anyway, so I was able to get involved in like the movie scene out in China, and um, and yeah, through just various. Uh, interactions and uh friends out there i was introduced to um the stunt coordinator for one of jackie chan's stunt coordinators who then brought me on to the jackie chan stunt team and so that was like phase two crazy crazy like world championships worked and lived with jet lee and now like inducted where jackie chan himself it was this movie called dragon blade he came up to me and introduced me to like some of the older stunt guys. Like, hey, this is the new generation, like Jackie Chan stunt team, like Alfred. I was like in tears inside. You know that Holy was so crazy. This American-born kid from California somehow ended up ended up in Asia working with Jackie, Mother Effin Chan, and where he knew my name and introduced me, you know, as a stunt team member of his, like to, to like legendary other stunt people. And I was like, my mind was, was blown, you know, I was like, this is it. This is like, you can like, you can do anything, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. crazy. Like just, you know, just by, you know, believing and, and just and putting yourself out there, like the, the path is not clear, but you just take one step at a time until you get closer and closer, you know? yeah it's kind of like world of warcraft you know the map is like black but when you keep walking it keeps on opening up the map that's like what happens you know
0: (laughs) so what's jackie chan like
1: so jackie chan is is awesome basically like he's the most personable guy ever and uh humility is just through the roof first of all yeah jackie chan is exactly how you would think jackie chan is like how you see him in the outtakes and all that like and when you see him in the movies, like he's basically just Jackie Chan, like <laughs> probably like all of his characters should just be named Jackie, like in all his movies. You know, like he's literally himself. I mean, there's obviously like sometimes where you know he might play like a Vietnamese soldier or like a in the the foreigner or like a certain thing, you know. But essentially, yeah, he's very much playing himself. But he's he's really cool in a different in a different way. Like he loves movies. Like he loves the community. He's a very social person. He loves learning. I feel like, yeah, he's got a, um, he's a kid at heart. He's like, he's getting, he's getting up there in age, but he's just a kid at heart. He's got a ton of energy. And yeah, I would say, I think what keeps him young and why he's just so badass is like, he never stops learning. He's got this uh, genuine curiosity for, for, for all things. This is like crazy that I'm saying all this stuff, but I, I was able to fly on a private jet with Jackie And his manager, we flew uh, from Beijing to Hong Kong. We get in at, like, close to midnight. He goes to his house in Hong Kong. He gets a haircut, like, from, from, like, a a personal, like, stylist at, like, midnight in his kitchen while he's, like, on the phone, like, doing other, like, deals and talking and stuff like that. Then he's, like, he doesn't want to sleep still. So he just takes me. I'm, like, one of the only guys there. He has, like, two or three maybe assistants, you know and we go to his like study room or something which is a huge room the size of like a like a, like a tv studio i think he bought out like a, a former network station studio and it was just one of the rooms and he starts like showing me everything in there this is like midnight wow. or something wow that's unreal like, yeah it's just it's just me and him like two assistants and like a manager who who's obviously been there many times and so she's kind of just like chilling but he's like and obviously he you know I'm not trying to front, like, obviously he knows me from, we've, we worked together on the movie for like, you know, three or four months, but you know, I'm not like his BFF or anything like that. It's just like, I'm one of the stunt guys that he's worked with. And he's just like, I think it could have been like, you could have been there. He would have been excited to like share with you, like what was going on. He takes me to this room or like the, you know, this, this kind of like work study area. He like blasts some like seventies music or something like on his, like Bang & Olsen, like, like system or something. And, uh, and then uh, he's just showing me everything he's got like this old like coke machine that like he's like he puts in a, um, a nickel and he's just, <clears throat> this like coke bottle comes out and he's like look it's real cane sugar you know it's like a real like thing from like you know like the 50s one of those like you know and then he, he like brings me to this other area and uh he turns on this huge light imagine like a dentist light you know but like overhead but a huge oh, yeah, one Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he turns it on he's like he waves his hands he's like look, no shadows. <laughs> <laughs> like, they made that for surgery, you know? huge <laughs> light. I'm like, why, why is this in the house? He's like, look, no shadows.
0: Oh, man, that's so funny.
1: He, he, he takes me to this other bookshelf. He, like, hits this book. It opens. He's like, look, it's my private theater. I walk in. He's like, okay, let's go. He, like, pushes me out. Like, he just shows me. The bookshelf, like, closes. Like, tell me that's not, like, if you had, like, unlimited resources and money, you would make, like, a bat cave and, like, do crazy, crazy stuff, you know?
0: Damn, that's crazy, man. I'm sure so you then, have so many Jackie Chan and Jet Li stories.
1: Oh, yeah. No, so many. So so so. Yeah. just to finish that story off, so then we we end up sitting down on this on the counter. He busts out some, like, Cavassier or XO or something like that, and uh, Jackie Chan brand cigar, and we just share we he gives me a cigar we, we basically like we're just chilling with a cigar listening to like 70s or 80s music on his like stereo system and he's just like telling me stories that was like it was, like one of the best days of my life
0: bro that is amazing that's so crazy man yeah we're gonna have to do a part two on your hollywood career but i think this is pretty good for now do you have any okay. parting thoughts for the young guys
1: yeah well i, I definitely um I'm going to recap some of those things, but that, that is a good, you know, I guess, stopping point, but I felt like those were the things that I was like, I wanted to do it for myself, of course, but I also wanted to be an example that like, I wanted to do the most unbelievable, ridiculous things that wasn't necessarily for my career or for money or whatever. It was just like something that I wanted to do. And the fact that I was able to be the first, you know, doing what I did, made the U.S. team hit the world championships, worked for Jet Li, lived, worked for him, and was able to be called, you know, by Jackie Chan, a member of the Jackie Chan stunt team, uh, and and have him know me on a first name basis. Like, those are seemingly, like, not necessarily connected and seemingly impossible things, but I was able to do them because of, like, this ridiculous power of belief, and not just belief, but kind of genuinely believing, but putting in the work through your actions. Like if you believe it's going to happen, you have to be making the motions. You don't just sit on the couch because then that's not that's not outwardly showing how much you want it. If you really wanted something, you're going to do everything in your ability to go get it, you know? And so I guess my, my, my parting words for today, it's actually something about the stresses that we put on ourselves, you know? And I, it took me a while, you know, especially in like Hollywood, which we didn't really get into this this time but it's like i do go from from job to job like film to film or project to project and like it can be stressful to to be like oh can i get on you know this next thing you're competing with people like there's 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 just like a lot of stress and with anyone who wants like a career advancement or maybe to like take their business to the next level like there is always this kind of stress but i think i'm moving to a place where i'm able to find like this zen point and what i mean by that Stress is pretty much, it's not productive. So what I mean by that is like, you either do your best and let the rest be what it will. Like you've you've genuinely done your best. You have no regrets. You put in the the hard work. You did the research. You know, you took the risks, whatever. So at that point, there's nothing to stress about because you cannot physically do anything more. On the converse end, if you didn't do your best or like, or you decided to take a rest day, like. That was a choice. So there's also nothing to stress about. Like, you, you decided to not work your hardest or whatever, which is also fine. Like, you, you wanted to chill, like, or, or go on vacation. Well, shit, enjoy your vacation. It's like either or. Like, you've already done your best, so there's nothing else you can do. So stressing is not going to help. And if you've made a choice to, like, kind of whatever, like, in, enjoy or spend time with loved ones or do, do stuff that's not pushing you forward, but those are all choices that you made, you should enjoy them it's kind of like the worst thing. Like if you order dessert and you still eat it, but you're just guilty and you're not really enjoying it. It's like, you got the carbs and the calories, but you didn't enjoy the dessert. So what I'm saying is like, at this point for me, like when I'm trying to get, a, you know, a stunt job or a new project, I do my best. I hustle. I, I train, I learn, I do everything I can. But if it goes to someone else, it's like, there's really nothing else like for me to stress about, you know? So that's kind of the, the mentality I'm trying to, or I feel that I'm moving towards. And I think that's helpful many people because stress is just going to set you back so even from just an efficiency standpoint like uh, i would try to like use that a mentality and and you'll put yourself in a better like mental state and a, and a flow state
0: for sure man yeah Bro, this conversation has been <laughs> awesome no seriously i know that you have so, you probably have so many hollywood stories and stuff like that but i want to be respectful of your time i also learned a lot about you. And then also just like kind of the lessons that you are imparting. Like I'm thinking a lot about that. So Alfred, it's been awesome, dude.
1: Cool. No, thank you for having this platform. And uh, thank you for having me on here.
0: Yo. Okay. So that was my interview with Alfred. What'd you guys think? Hope you guys really liked it and felt inspired. I certainly did. If you guys really enjoyed it, please share and subscribe, leave a five-star review. That'd be really awesome. And also check out my Facebook group and apply to join. Thanks again, guys. And I'll see you guys next week.